This morning, I want to piggyback on um, last week's message from Craig. It's just such a wonderful reminder to us on the Christian life. He talked about drifting. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about purposeful or aimless Christianity. My question this morning to myself, and I'll allow you to overhear it, are you living a purposeful life or are you wandering aimlessly? Are you circling or are you spiraling? I'm going to talk to you the difference between circling and spiraling. You know, life is a circular movement. We go around a circle 24 hours a day. It's a cycle of 24 hours. Do you know that we've completed five weeks this week? That means the sun has risen and set 37 times this year. That further means we've gone about our lives for 888 hours this year. We have made moment by moment decisions for 53,280 minutes this year. How do you think you're doing so far? <laughs> Would you describe yourself as a purposeful Christian or an aimless one? Are you circling or spiraling? Let me talk to you the difference between these two words. To circle is to follow the same path over and over again without actually going anywhere. It represents this aimless life. To spiral is to rotate around a fixed point while continuously increasing in distance. It represents a purposeful life. So obviously, we want to live our lives spiraling forward, of course, spiraling upwards, of course, not spiraling downwards. <laughs> But we want to not just circle year after year around the same thing without moving anywhere. And so we recognize that life is a circular movement. We need to have healthy routines, but we need to be careful we don't get into an unhealthy rut. And so this morning, to best describe these two different lifestyles, an aimless life or a purposeful life, I want to take you to the first two generations of Israel. The first generation and the second generation. The first generation lived their lives for 40 years circling around a mountain. The second generation of Israel began their lives circling around a wall. I want to show you the difference between circling around a mountain and circling around a wall and using that to illustrate what I want to talk to you about this morning. So let's look at the first generation. The first generation circled around the mountain because of unbelief. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 32 to 36. Listen to the words of Moses. Even after all God did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp 
guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, when the Lord heard you complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. Look at the phrases used by Moses. Refused to trust the Lord. That means they intentionally made a decision no matter what was going on in their lives and how blessed they were, they still decided, no, we're not going to trust the Lord. Can you listen to the frustration of Moses in these words? Even after all God did for you, even you, what you've experienced, you still don't want to trust him? You know, this, this, this frustration of this man of God who has gone in and out of the presence of God I think he would have rather spent his rest of his life in the presence of God rather than get out and hear the complaining and the moaning. But then he had to be purposeful in his life. And his purpose was to lead Israel. But listen to this. He says, even after what God did, you know what God did for you? He looked for the best places to camp. I like that phrase. So while they were sleeping, God was busy looking for a better place to camp the next day. You think about this looking for the best place to camp. He was looking out for them, for their best interest, for what was best for their lives. No matter what was going on in their lives, God was looking out for their best. In spite of that, Moses says, right? remember he was guiding you, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. Why the fire? Because without the fire, at night, they would have been freezing cold. Why the cloud in the day? Because without the cloud, they would have been hit by the scorching sun. This was what God was doing for them. Caring for them and taking them to the best for their lives. But when circumstances changed, they complained. When things weren't going as well, they rebelled. And when finally it came for them to cross the Jordan and move forward, they rejected God and chose instead to just circle around the mountain of Sinai and the region of Mount Seir for 40 years until the entire generation passed on, except for Caleb and Joshua. They never saw the promised land. They never experienced the fullness God had planned for them on earth. Living life in circular movements looks like you're moving forward. Because you're moving, you see. You grow older, you raise a family, then your family raises another family. You get promotions, your business grows, the digits in your bank balance changes upwards, hopefully. You stack up life experiences, but you end up in a box. We all end up in a box. And if you've been circling for 40 years in a mountain, you end up in a box without experiencing the promise of life in abundance. You go through the motions, the routine, but are stuck in a rut. Not so the second generation. The second generation circled around a wall. Why? Because that's what God told them to do. 
They circled still. They were circling, but they were circling with purpose. I want to take you to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 5. I mean, Joshua 6 verses 1 to 5. This is what Joshua 6, 1 to 5 says. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city. This you shall do six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. God promised the second generation the same promise he gave to the first generation, a land flowing with milk and honey. But what came in their way? The moment they decided to be obedient to God, they hit a wall. That's a lot of times our experiences in life. You guys have lived long enough as Christians, you know. You decide to be, obey God, next thing you know, you hit a wall. You decide to move forward with God and you make a decision, next thing you know, something happens that seems to prevent you from going forward to, to seek the best God has for you. They hit a wall. And so, they had a choice to make. Do you go back like the first generation and circle around the mountain because you don't want anything to do with this wall? Or do you obey God and walk around that wall and watch the wall come down? They decided to listen to God. They decided to obey God. So they weren't circling the wall aimlessly. There was a purpose why they were circling the wall. They were circling the wall because God said the wall will come down. And that's the spiraling. You're spiraling. You're adjusting, listening to God and adjusting your life so that you keep going forward even though it looks like you're circling. It looks like it's routine, but you're not in a rut because you're hearing God and you know God's promises are always true. That wall will come down. So they had to get to God's promise, but they knew the wall was standing in the way. So they circled the wall till it came down, adjusting their lives based on God's word. Um, specific words on a daily basis, same 24-hour cycle, but they had to do what God had told them to do. Sun rises, you wake up in the morning, you walk around the wall once. And you keep silent. Hard for some, more challenging for others. You walked around the wall once. You wake up on the second day. What do you do? Same routine. You walk around the wall once. Why are we doing this? Is this a rut? No, this is not a rut. It's not a rut because God has told you to do so. Third day. They do the same thing. They walk around the wall once. Fourth day, they do the same thing. It looks like a rut. It feels like a rut. It feels like nothing's happening. The wall is still up there. But because God said so, they wake up and they walk around the wall again. Once. Fifth day. Sixth day. Same thing. 
Seventh day, they wake up. God says, this time, walk around the wall seven times. You adjust. You shift. You're not circling the mountain. You're circling a wall with a purpose. The wall must come down. It's preventing me from experiencing God's best for my life. Seventh day, they walk around the wall seven times. The horns go forth and the entire nation shouts for joy expecting God's word to come to pass. Do you think the loud noise brought down the walls? You can gather a million people and get them to shout, the walls won't come down. The walls came down for one reason and one reason only. It came down because God said so. They walked purposefully in obedience with God. Routine, yes, but not a rut. Purposeful, yes, not aimlessly circling till the walls came down. So the first generation settled for what they decided was best for them. The second generation settled for what was God's best for them. The first generation settled for what they thought was best for them. The second generation settled for what was God's best for them. One faced mountains all their lives. The other face walls that kept tumbling down because they needed to go to where God promised them to go to. That's why I keep praying for the sick. I keep praying for the sick because I see sickness as a wall that needs to come down. That's why I work with people with addiction because I see addiction as a wall that needs to come down. That's why we pray for the lost because we see the things that prevent them from experiencing the goodness of God as walls that need to come down. That's why we go around once a month and distribute food parcels to the poor because we see poverty as a wall that must come down. We do what we do purposefully because we choose to see things that stop the world from experiencing God as walls that must come down. So I'm encouraging you to do the same. To accept sickness, addiction, poverty as my life, as my lot in life, or my karma will condemn me to a life of walking around the mountain for 40 years. I can't do that. So I choose to see every obstacle that prevents me from God's best Every obstacle that prevents you from God's best, every obstacle that prevents the world from God's best, I choose to see it as a wall. And I'll walk around that wall. It may look like a routine. I might pray again and again and again. It sounds like a routine, but I will walk around that wall. Sometimes God may tell us, adjust your prayer. Adjust the things you are doing, but keep walking around the wall. Because as long as the wall is up there, I will walk around the wall until the wall comes tumbling down. Walk every day, purposefully, hearing from God, praying differently sometimes, doing things differently if God says so. Not circling, but spiraling forward until the walls come tumbling down. You know what your walls are. I'm journeying with you, some of you. If you share with me your walls, it becomes my walls too. 
and I'll journey with you. I will go around that wall until it comes down. Because I refuse to accept it as a mountain. Now, how do you know if you're circling or you're spiraling? You're circling if you're living an aimless Christian life. You're spiraling if you're being the Christian you're purposed to be. Do you know what your purpose is on earth? I'm glad you asked. You're amazing. You ask all these wonderful questions. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to read to you verse 13 first. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Here Jesus really gives us the purpose why we are existing on earth as Christians. Matthew 5 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, I love Eugene Peterson's translation. Look at the message and see how he brings it out so beautifully. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You like that? You are here as seasoning to bring out the God flavors on this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Now that's a bit harsh. But hey, listen. Jesus was saying to us, this is why you've been called Christians. You've been called Christians because he has made you salt. And you walk into this earth and you bring out God flavors everywhere you go. That people, suddenly their taste buds change. Suddenly they are able to taste godliness because you are around. Do you bring out God flavors around people? Or do you leave a bad taste in their mouths? Andrew, you just heard my question. If you want that, it's yours too. God flavors. What is the flavor of a Christian? I put it this way. It's a Trinitarian combo. The love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the comfort of God the Holy Spirit. That's the flavor of God. Love, grace, and comfort. Everywhere we go, do people taste the love of God? Everywhere we go, do people experience the grace of the Son, Jesus Christ? Everywhere we go, do, have, do they have a sense of the comfort of the Holy Spirit when we are there? God flavors. That's why we've been put on earth. Jesus moves on to say this in verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Again, the message. Here's another way of putting it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. 
God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, without light, there will be no color. In a dark place, you cannot see color. But you turn on the light, you see the colors all around you. And that's what Jesus was meaning when he says, let your light shine. Be such an agent of change like light is, that when you walk into a room, when you walk into a place, people are able to see God colors because of you. So while you circle around your walls, whatever that's hindering you from God's best for your life, or hindering your family for God's best for their lives, or hindering your friends and neighbors for what's God's best in their lives, while you circle these walls, don't live Christ your Christian life aimlessly. Be purposeful. Spiral forward. If need be, pray differently until the walls come down. If need be, do something differently until the walls come down. But while you do that, remember this. Keep giving out God flavors and God colors. Let me close with this scripture. Talking about circling or spiraling. Talking about aimless or purposeful. It's critical that we know the difference. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us why. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 11 to 13. Paul says this. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we pray for, the foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. Then Paul goes on to say this. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. In other words, Paul is saying, there are things we do on, in life that are mere hay, wood, straw. When the fire is turned on eternally, it vanishes, it's burnt away. But there are things that you can do on earth that are gold, silver, jewels, that fire cannot destroy. It's one thing I learned very early in life. What glitters on earth doesn't glitter in heaven. What we think is so glittery, to God's eyes, it's dull. One thing that glitters in God's eyes are souls. Look at the life of Jesus and that will reveal to you what to him was gold? What was jewels to him? What was precious stones to him? It was lives. It was souls. It was Zacchaeus on a tree. It was the woman being accused of adultery. 
It was the old lady who touched his hem of his garment. They were jewels. They were precious stones. They were in need. And he walked around the wall until it came down. Living the life of Christ is the only sure life that has eternal value. So I encourage you this morning as I encourage myself. This year, don't circle aimlessly. Spiral forward purposefully. Amen.